0: Welcome to Tech Refactored, a podcast in which we explore the ever-changing relationship between technology, society, and the law. I'm your host, Gus Horwitz, the Menard Director of the Nebraska Governance and Technology Center. Today's episode is a bit of a switcheroo. I recently had the opportunity to talk to Natalia Alamdari, a reporter for the Flatwater Free Press here in Nebraska. My
1: name's Natalia Alamdari. I am the Seacrest Greater Nebraska reporter over at Flatwater Free Press. We are a statewide nonprofit, so we post our stories onto our website, but then all the other news organizations in the state are welcome to publish our stories for free as well.
0: She interviewed me for a story that she was working on about crypto mining companies locating their facilities in rural states like Nebraska. Her article was published last week, and I learned a lot reading it, so I decided to invite her on as a guest for Tech Refactored. There really is a whole lot going on in this story, between economic development concerns, concerns about the environment and whether these companies will produce so much noise that they become public nuisances, to their potential benefits as partners for utilities and power generators like the Nebraska Public Power District. Cryptocurrencies can get a bad environmental rap, but it turns out that they can make it easier to manage green electricity production, and since they pay for the electricity that they use, they can actually lower the cost for electricity for everyone else to boot. As I said, a whole lot going on, and I'd encourage you to go read Natalia's story. But before you do go read it, you should stick around to listen to my conversation with her. Welcome to Tech Refactored. We asked you to join us today to talk about this recent story that you wrote about crypto mining in Nebraska. And I guess, in, in interest of disclosure, you reached out to me to talk to me about this story. And when it was published, I read it and thought, oh, th- this is a really great story. I, I bet uh, lots of folks would be interested in it. So we uh, thought that we'd reach out and ask if you wanted to jump on the podcast to tell us a bit about the story. Can you start just by telling me? how the story came across your desk and what you got you interested in it.
1: Sure. So we do a lot of listening tours where we just go to different towns in Nebraska and kind of just have an open time of meetings where like people can just come and tell us about things they're interested in, things I think that we should be paying attention to. Um, and one of our listening tours, we were in Kearney. It might have been before I got hired. I can't remember. But this was just mentioned to us offhandedly at that Carney listening tour. Just like, Oh, did you hear about this crypto thing and Carney? So it was on our list and I kind of started looking into it at the beginning of this year. Cause I was like, okay, this is an interesting one to move on to. I don't know a ton about it, but it sounds like an interesting story. And it really turned into one of those stories where you start with like one little thread and start realizing, okay, this is actually like more of a statewide story than just like one isolated incident happening in one place. So it really kind of just like naturally grew over the course of like two weeks of reporting, learning about other towns in Nebraska that are considering the same type of business agreements, things like that. But yeah, I kind of just started as just offhandedly being mentioned to us and grew from there.
0: And can you tell us just the capsule version of what the story is, what's going on?
1: Sure. So in Kearney, Nebraska, there is a 100 megawatt crypto mining facility. So it's about 11 acres with, I want to say, 40 of those shipping container-like boxes where they keep all of these computers that are just running, 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 doing these crypto calculations. And so it's interesting because of the energy usage and how it's very specific to the revenue that it's bringing into Kearney and the relationship with Nebraska Public Power District and how it can help keep energy rates low for customers. But kind of the bigger picture version of the story is that a lot of these crypto co-location mining sites are really interested in places like nebraska because they're looking for you know okay where can we find both affordable land but also affordable electricity and so they're finding both of those things here in the state
0: and you're not a technology or a crypto expert you're a i guess i i don't know you're a general reporter you do you have a specific beat that you focus on
1: i'm definitely not a crypto reporter um With Flatwater, I kind of started off as more of a general reporter. Now, my beat is focusing on just any story related to rural Nebraska. So much more of like a generalist within a geographic space.
0: So how do you... This is a very tech and engineering heavy story. Uh, I'm just uh, fascinated and, and curious. How do you approach learning about this really specialized area?
1: A lot of reading. um, That tends to be step one is, you know, read as much as I possibly can from as many news sources, academic sources as I possibly can. And then step two, which is kind of the more important piece, is talking to people like you, people who know more about it than I do, who can help me, you know, understand the complexities, but also figure out how to communicate these complexities in a way that your average reader, someone who knows nothing about crypto, is going to understand. So, really, just a lot of reading and a lot of interviewing. And then, kind of, the final step of it is writing it down and kind of getting feedback from people like, okay, is this, is this accurate? Am I describing this? properly and in as nuanced a way as I can.
0: This story, you started by focusing on Kearney. You say that it's larger than just Kearney. How expansive is this topic of crypto mining coming to the States?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that really stood out to me was NPPD's Economic Development Department had told me that over the past five years or so, they've heard from about 25 different companies all interested in setting up shop in Nebraska. Not all of them have actually like turned into a actual project, but it's still just like this really big number of people expressing interest. I have found out about a few... More similar locations to the one in Kearney, not as huge of a scale, but um, off the top of my head, it was um, one just last week approved outside Grand Island, one in York that I believe that they approved in April, a third one in Hall County, but I'm blanking on what the specific town was, and then I'm sure there are many more that are still in that initial kind of figuring it out phase that haven't necessarily gotten to city council or board of commissioner levels yet.
0: When you say coming to town, what does that entail? You, you described a little bit about the Kearney facility, the shipping container-sized buildings or actual shipping containers. What actually are these facilities and what are they doing?
1: Right. Okay. I hope I can explain this right. So basically, these are like host sites for the computers making crypto work. So to use the Carney location as an example, people who are crypto miners can send in their computer equipment. They're paying for the space. They're paying for maintenance to their computers, access to the internet, and most importantly, access to the amount of electricity that they need. So these locations are often like located near substation where they know that they're going to have access to the proper amount of megawatts that they need. And they tend to be, you know, not too close to residential areas to where sound would be an issue.
0: How much power are we talking about?
1: Well, the Kearney one is running on a 100 megawatt capacity, which is about the same as what the entire city of Kearney needs to run. So it pretty much doubled the electrical capacity of the city's energy system. The one that was just approved outside Grand Island is significantly smaller. It's a 14-megawatt project, which is still pretty big for that service area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really crazy to hear like the range of numbers that are on the table.
0: I'm just thinking... Uh... About a year ago, I did a visit to a grain elevator down in Aurora, Nebraska. And one of the things that they spoke about and we discussed was the amount of power that the grain elevator uses when it's in full operation being comparable to the entire power of the nearest uh, town. And it's just interesting how much power and electricity uh, a lot of these operations, be it agriculture, grain elevators, or crypto mining, uh, can take up. What are the sort of things that city councils and other municipalities are thinking about when they are approached by these operations?
1: I was actually just listening to city council audio from, it was Hall County, Um, but some of the concerns that they brought up were, is this going to be a nuisance to the people who live near this proposed location? There was some concern over, you know, how many jobs is this going to bring into the area? Because- I know people talk about like job creation as a good thing, but one of the things that Stan Klaus, the mayor and Carney had brought up to me was, you know, we don't want anything that's going to bring in too many jobs because then it's going to cause competition for the jobs already in town and also put stress on the limited housing that we have in the area. So housing is definitely one of the things that has come up. And also just like general uncertainty with crypto and how it works and, um, you know, viability into the future. Kind of on the flip side of things, what Folks and Carney talked a lot about was, you know, because this is going to be expanding the city's electrical grid, it's also going to be kind of helping contribute to like the stability of the electrical grid. So like if it was a really hot summer and NPPD needed that crypto facility to like pause operations or shift over to a generator because they needed the electricity for, you know, homes and Carney, it gives them that flexibility to accommodate like extra load. And then in addition to that, the other thing that was brought up is, you know, having such a high energy user that is a really consistent user means that, the city is going to be getting a big slice of revenue from their energy usage. So it really turned into a fiscal decision, it seems like.
0: Several things in that answer that we could explore further. The crypto stability question. I I love that point about not wanting too many jobs that's so counterintuitive. But if you look at the story of fracking up in uh, the Dakotas, um, you've got these boom towns where you have a sudden influx of workers driving up property prices, and then there are market changes, and suddenly no one can afford to live there, and then no one lives there. It's such a a boom and bust cycle, so that's really interesting. The public power district concerns load balancing of energy production and use, and also the, the revenue side of things. I want to start with the volatility and uncertainty and perhaps the i'll just say distaste for crypto that many might have how much did you encounter when you were researching the story uh, in terms of concern about crypto is just dangerous or we don't like crypto because it's bad for the environment or sam packman fried and ftx i'm hearing about this in the news this is bad stuff H- how much of that sort of content did you encounter
1: not as much as I was expecting, but I think it might partially be because people might not necessarily have known enough about it to have that concern. Um, I did speak with a relatively new advocacy group that had some concerns about the environmental implications. And the way they phrased it was just this thought of like, you know, out-of-state companies kind of taking advantage of how cheap electricity is in Nebraska for their own gain was kind of the overwhelming sentiment. Some concerns too over, um, and I don't know enough about crypto to give a very specific answer about this, but um, the aspect of things where um, there's only a limited amount of certain cryptocurrencies that can be mined, like the limit placed on Bitcoin, and kind of just this feeling of, you know, if this is something that is going to have an end point, why are we investing all these millions of dollars into it if it's not something that's going to be permanent? I don't know enough about different types of cryptocurrency to fully know the answer on what the right thing to do there is. But yeah, aside from that, I think that NPPD has run into towns being hesitant, not because of those specific concerns, but maybe just because crypto. In general has this air of like, eh, I don't really know what that is. It's really unfamiliar mm-hmm. to me. Uh, let's not mess with that. But beyond that, I really didn't run into too many super opposed voices. I did read a lot about it, especially with, um, Compute North is the company that started the Carney location and they have since gone bankrupt. So <laughs> that kind of threw in this element of like, hmm. Is this wise? But the Cardi location changed hands. It didn't interrupt operations, so it didn't it didn't seem to have a negative impact on local operations. But yeah, it's just just been really interesting learning all of that.
0: So I I wonder. Uh, one of the things I think that I had told you when we spoke about this before, my sense is because the cryptocurrency market or prices for Bitcoin and other currencies have fallen about 75% over the last year, that today there's probably a fair bit of skepticism and good sorts of skepticism with people thinking about, should we make these investments? And a lot less uh, just speculation in this market. And I I wonder in your discussion with especially NPPD and folks at city councils, people who are doing the research in order to make informed decisions about these? Do they seem to be generally Pretty well informed and duly cautious about what are we going to do to minimize the risks of bankruptcy from these companies and things like that.
1: Yeah, I think so because I had kind of brought up the same thing to the folks over at NPPD, and they told me that they had talked through a lot of like, okay, how are we going to minimize risks? How are we going to make sure that we're not like left with a stranded investment if a person were to go under before it starts, or a company were to go under before they start operations. One of the things that they said that they've been doing is requiring some sort of security deposit up front, especially like with the Carney location, how NPPD was adding a substation. They had an agreement of, okay, put down some sort of security deposit so that if you all dry up before this is finished building, it's not money lost for NPPD. And I think that tends to be one of the main approaches that these power companies are taking. There was another thing that they told me. I think there's something similar within their billing structure, but I am not as familiar with how that part of things works. And then I don't remember the specifics of this, but with the agreement that the city of Kearney had with Compute North, if I'm not mistaken, there were some similar types of like, okay, if if you don't meet these benchmarks then their like financial implications tied up in that. Um, one of the ones I do remember is Compute North promised a certain number of jobs. If they don't deliver on those jobs, they would then pay, I think it was like $5,000 per job or something like that. I think they ended up paying 20000 to the either the city or the Economic Development Council. I'm, I can't remember which entity it was supposed to go
0: to. So some uh, minimum revenue commitment uh, sort Mm -hmm. of tools. Did you have a chance to visit any of these facilities? I
1: unfortunately did not. Uh I tried contacting as many people as I could connected to um, both Generate Capital as the new owner and Bitcoin USA, I think, is who they've contracted to run it since they're more of like a finance company than a crypto company. Yeah, I, I left voicemails, I sent emails, I wasn't able to get a real human to get back to me.
0: I haven't even thought about that with the bankruptcy. There has to be an entire ecosystem of companies that are buying up these companies as they go bankrupt and financializing them and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, one of the locations in... Um, Hall County that's being talked about. It was actually supposed to be a Compute North expansion, but because they went under, now that purchase agreement is being transferred to a different company. I want to say it's Foundry Digital that is trying to buy that development from Compute North.
0: Do you have any sense of how much Nebraska is a destination or a target for these companies compared to other states?
1: I don't know if I can... Fully answer that? I know that NPPD is getting a lot of interest. It sounds like there are maybe a handful more projects that haven't been made public that are in the works. I mean, compared to like Wyoming or Texas, maybe Nebraska isn't as far along, but it might fall into second tier of like, it's not a heavy hitter when it comes to crypto locations, but it's not like an absolute zero So it'll be really interesting to see how that progresses in the coming years. I don't know as much about neighboring states and what they're seeing to know how Nebraska compares to other places.
0: You had mentioned that one of the advantages that NPPD, the Nebraska Public Power District sees, is that these operations help to stabilize their electricity demand. Can you explain a bit more what you mean by that and how that works?
1: I'll use Carney as an example. Think of it like an electrical system in a city has a maximum capacity that it can serve at any one time. So, we'll just use simple numbers. Say Carney's is 100. So, that is the maximum that the city needs. That's the maximum that their electrical grid can serve. And if you're adding in another big user like Compute North, you're adding on another hundred. So you're doubling the electrical capacity of what this city's system can handle. The reason why they say it makes it more stable is the crypto location in Kearney is a pretty flexible load. So they can turn on and turn off operations pretty easily. If for some reason the city were, or NPPD were to say, hey, we need more capacity to better serve the customers in Kearney, maybe it's a really, really cold winter and there's stress on the electrical grid or it's a really hot summer and they need to account for higher energy usage. Now they technically have double the capacity what they were working with beforehand. So NPPD is able to request to companies like the one in Kearney could you either slow down operations, put a pause on operations so then that that energy can go towards helping the rest of the city function? There's some financial incentives tied up in that too. If they do shift electrical use to their generators or if they shut down for a little bit, they would get some sort of financial compensation for doing that too. So that's, that's the best way I can explain how it stabilizes things Um, i'm sure it's a lot more complicated than what i just explained but i hope that answers the question
0: it sounds like you use the examples of uh, hot summer cold winter i can imagine also one of the things i've been talking to a lot of folks about electric vehicles um, and one of the challenges that utilities are thinking about with those is everyone gets home and what do they do they plug in their cars to charge them up so suddenly at 6 p.m every day You have this massive spike of demand on the electric utility. So I, I guess the crypto mining companies would be able to turn down their mining operations when those demands happen. And that way there's going to be freed up electricity on the grid without having to start burning more coal or turning on more generation capacity.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: I know the Kearney location, I, I love the photo. Your story has a great photo of the location and you can see the Compute North facilities in the foreground and in the background solar panels. Do you have any sense of how often these locations are trying to pair up with renewable energy like that?
1: I don't know company by company, but NPPD did say that that was one of the things that Compute North was originally attracted to is just the mix of different energy generation that NPPD had. I think that's um, 64%, 67% of carbon-free generation. So that was something that they were pretty attracted to. I don't know what other companies are searching for, but...
0: I know... uh NPPD just got permission to start investigating small modular nuclear reactors in the state. So more, more carbon-free, I'm, I'm sure, uh, with coming with plenty of its own controversy, but the idea of pairing this carbon-free generation with this flexible usage that can free up energy for the nearby towns on an as-needed basis, that, that's just really fascinating to me. Really interesting public-private partnership sort of model to be explored there. I should have asked this earlier. One of the concerns that you mentioned was that these facilities would be public nuisances. Can you flesh out a bit more what that concern is and what you found uh, in your reporting?
1: Sure, sure. So it didn't really come up too much with the Kearney location specifically, but noise complaints have been tied to crypto facilities and I can't remember this specific state, but there was an article I was reading where it was kind of playing like examples of what this sounds like. And they were talking to residents who were really bothered by it, which it was really similar to complaints I've read about wind farm type of generation. So really just like that thought of this is going to be noisy for the people who live nearby, maybe it'll um, decrease property values was another concern. Um, A couple months ago in Hall County, a decent number of people turned out opposing a proposed crypto location that was on the table there. It was really tied to, like I said, noise complaints, but also just this underlying feeling of this has always been farmland. Why are we going to change that about this place where we live That project ended up being tabled, or not tabled, they had their permit request, they pulled it. Mm -hmm. So it could have been tied to resident complaints, it could have been tied to a few different things, but it's no longer being pursued. The project that is on the table still in Hall County, I think only one person lives close by, and that person had gone to commissioner's meeting and was like, I'm cool with this. If there's any noise complaints, like that's something we can deal with down the line.
0: I can't imagine that you you had an opportunity to look into this, but I wonder if there's a industry of engineers specializing in crypto operations and these mining farms. I know there can be a lot of specialization in conducting engineering studies around different sorts of technologies.
1: yeah, yeah, no, like I said, it reminds me a lot of like wind energy and just the different studies around that that happen to figure out like okay, how many decibels is this going to be? How can we reduce that or put up barriers so that the sound doesn't travel as far it just sounds really similar to that industry
0: so i i love the observation that there's a tension between the agricultural roots of much of rural America and the idea that that crypto is coming in and taking over our acreages and that it's not the right use for the land. And I I just wonder, you are doing a lot of reporting on rural America and rural Nebraska. Are there things that you're really excited or interested about in approaching reporting rural America?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that I am not from a rural place. I'm from the suburbs of Houston. So it's kind of unfamiliar territory for me, but I think that that makes it exciting. And, you know, sometimes people say like, oh, you should... Reporting is better when a person is intimately familiar with the thing that they're covering. But I kind of think the opposite can apply too, where if you have a person who's not familiar with this space, who's coming at it with really fresh eyes and a fresh perspective, sometimes you can see stories that might seem commonplace to other people who are used to it all. So I'm really interested in like writing stories that get at, um, you know, things that are surprising about rural places or things that are unexpected, but that are just like hidden in plain sight. That's kind of the basis of what I'm trying to get at is like look at these really interesting and important and fascinating pieces of rural Nebraska that are also just part of everyday life for people. And I think that the crypto kind of fits into that, where it's just this really unexpected thing. But for a city that was trying to develop its technology part, it just it just made sense to them.
0: I, I don't know if this is a inappropriate question to ask a journalist, but uh, any previews for upcoming stories that you're working on?
1: Um, Let me think. I have a couple in the works right now trying to tackle teacher vacancies and how that is impacting schools, kind of getting at like the unexpected element of things. I'm trying to write about small business loans in rural Nebraska and kind of the surprising businesses that you wouldn't necessarily be thinking of. Those are the two off the top of my head right now. But then there are a whole bunch of other things where I'm just like, call that person, figure out what's going on with that thing. It's exciting.
0: Does Flatwater have any more listening tours coming up in the near future?
1: I don't think we have any scheduled now. But what we do have is I am starting kind of a virtual version of that where I'm calling it my own office hours. So what people can do is they can sign up for like a 15 minute time slot with me over I think it's Google Meets that we're using. You can just talk about whatever story idea a person has, which I can share the link to that sign up too. I literally just put that out today. So that's kind of the version of listening tours that we have going on right now.
0: Well, that anticipates my next question, which was folks who are interested in knowing more about what's going on at Flatwater Free Press or reaching out, where would you send them?
1: Sure, so they can find everything on our website, flatwaterfreepress.org. And sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. There's a form and also an email where you can send story ideas to us. Tips at flatwaterfreepress.org. Um, those tend to be the main ways of reaching us. I know people will tweet at us every now and then too. We're at um, flatwaterfreep on Twitter. So it's F-R-E-E-P. We've got a P.O. box, too, if people want to send us real mail.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the real old-fashioned way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Any last thoughts before we head on out?
1: No, I don't think so. Just sign up for those office hours if you're interested in talking to a reporter. And our newsletter is really one of the best places to get what we're publishing every week.
0: Well, Natalia, thank you for taking the time uh, both today and also for the article on crypto. It was fun talking to you for that and fun talking to you again today.
1: Yes, thank you so much.
0: Tech Refactored is part of the Menard Governance and Technology Programming Series hosted by the Nebraska Governance and Technology Center. The NGTC is a partnership led by the College of Law in collaboration with the Colleges of Engineering, Business, and Journalism and Mass Communications at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Tech Refactored is hosted and executive produced by Gus Hurwitz. James Fleege is our producer. Additional production assistance is provided by the NGTC staff. You can find supplemental information for this episode at the links provided in the show notes. To stay up to date on the latest happenings within the Nebraska Governance and Technology Center, visit our website at ngtc.unl.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UNL underscore NGTC.